Hi, my name is Stephen Luna. I'm the lead pastor of MWC Church. We're so glad you chose to join us for this podcast. My prayer is that it would be a blessing in helping you grow closer to Jesus and help you grow in your faith. Enjoy this week's sermon. We do want to honor those that have served. If you do have a family member who is a casualty of war who served, would you please stand if you had a family member that we can remember today? Or if you've actively served in military, present or past, would you stand, if you're here, that we can honor you as well for your service to our country? Thank you. Are you ready this morning? That wasn't very encouraging. I don't think you're ready. See, uh, I, I really believe that uh, in the words of Chris Basildua that we're going to get wrecked by God this morning, and that is a very good thing this morning. So uh, I am going to ask you, if you are willing and able, would you stand as we get into the Word of God this morning? It was impressed on me this last week as I was preparing something I've never done personally when I've spoken, but was impressed on me about honoring the word of God and this just initial opening passage that's going to be the main focus of the message today. And we honor so many things. We honor judges. We honor political figures. We just stood to honor those that have served in the military. We honor people at sporting events. We stand and how fitting is it to honor the living word of God, our living hope. And so I just felt impressed to do that. So we're going to be, our main text this morning is John chapter 3. We're going to read verse 26 through 30. If you have it, it will also be on the screen. We're picking up uh, as after, shortly after John the Baptist has baptized Jesus, and John and Jesus are both baptizing at this point, and John's disciples come to him and speak to him, starting in verse 26. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, a man can receive only what is given from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete he must become greater, I must become less. Let's pray. Jesus, I truly believe that lives will be changed today, Lord. I pray that you would speak through me, that I may be your vessel, that your word would touch somebody's life today, that your word would speak truth, that your word would begin to change a life would change our lives, would change our church because it's true, alive, and active. And God, you desire to do something today. So may we serve you and honor you today, Jesus. Amen. And as you are being seated, turn to somebody next to you and say, we're about to get wrecked. Can you say that to somebody? We're about to get wrecked. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the energy is, is building in this place today. Less is more. Now, this, <clears throat> this particular phrase, I need to let you know that I have struggled with in, in most areas of my life, this less of more attitude. It just doesn't come very natural to me, and oftentimes it does have to do with food. Uh, I, I just, every, every time I speak, I can't help but talk about food. 
I don't know what it is, but it always happens. It's just in every one of my messages, talk about food. But this lesser, more attitude, and some things I think about uh, when I was in youth group and when I was a youth leader, as oftentimes happens in youth group with, and youth leaders and students, is you go to eat food at some point. Usually after a service, everybody's hungry, and so you go to eat food. And I remember going to McDonald's, and many people would be satisfied with a cheeseburger or a cheeseburger and fries, but no, uh, at, the, at the glorious time of the true dollar menu, I would get two McDoubles, two McChickens, a French fry, and a drink, and smash it all perfectly fine and be just okay. In, in my late teens, early 20s, of course, that would probably be detrimental to me if I did that now, but that's what I did. I couldn't just be satisfied with that. Or, or so many people, uh, I love desserts. I got, a, I got the worst sweet tooth, I think, than anybody I've ever met. Nobody can outsweet me. I often say that I have one stomach for food and one stomach for dessert. I could smash all that McDonald's and then have a large milkshake after that and be completely fine. But I, some people would be satisfied with one peanut butter cup. That just doesn't do it for me. I cannot be satisfied with one. I really can't be satisfied with four. I got to have about half a bag of peanut butter cups. Or um, my, my son, Bentley, he's going to be seven in a week and a half. And he, he randomly, when discussing food, must let everybody know in the room that dad eats 10 bowls of ice cream, which is a complete exaggeration that I blame on his mother because I've never had more than three. Oftentimes, I have two large bowls of ice cream is usually what I, I, I have, um, but never 10. But everywhere I go, I have this idea that usually it's the reverse. I, I want more. I don't want, I don't want less. Has anybody ever discovered that BJ's on Tuesday nights have $3 pazookies? They're, they're about half off, and so my thought is I can get two for the same price as the single one. So Lisa always has to deter me from that. She always tells me what her grandmother says, a moment on your lips, a lifetime on your hips. And that really is becoming true in my life. Uh, like the last decade, it's sad. But so she reminds me of that. And so many things, uh, we go to like Costco and you know, Costco does have really good deals, but even when they don't have good deals, I feel like I need to get multiples of blankets there, that I just have to buy three or four in them. Or when we go clothes shopping, we go to TJ Maxx and Marshalls and those kinds of places, and they always have really good deals. And so I'm always wanting to get multiples. I, in fact, currently, my workout gear, I have three pairs of shorts that are all the same, but they're different colors, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to be the creep who got the same color, and everybody thinks I don't wash my clothes at the gym. So I got blue, red, and gray, and I just change them out each day. But they were like $3 a piece, so why not get multiples? Black Friday is really bad for me. There's so many great deals, and especially when it comes to undergarments, I say, Lisa, the, the, I can get several pairs for the same price as one of the last years. I still currently have bags I've unopened, but that's a different issue of mine. So less is more, though. You see, sometimes in life, less is just more. Sometimes less is just more, and so I want us to discover one of those incredible very important ways in our life that less is more. And when we talk about our main scripture point today, I, I've been asking the Lord, uh, I always have what this main idea, this main focus that I feel God is bringing to the body of Christ, God is bringing that he wants me to deliver. And I've called it the bottom line, I've called it the main idea, and I was just asking the Lord, what, what is a line when I speak that 
that is this phrase that is the culmination of all that you want to do, that if we can walk away with anything, with no matter what I say today, that you can leave with a statement of truth from his word that just resonates with you. And so God gave me this, this phrase that it's the lifeline, right? Because Jesus brings us life. We sing about he's the living hope. He's the, it's the living word of God. His word brings us life. He brings us life. And so he gave me this phrase, the lifeline. It's the lifeline that he wants to bring to us today. And the lifeline this morning that the Lord brought through his word is this phrase, less of me means more of Jesus. Would you say that with me? Less of me means more of Jesus. Sometimes less is just more. And when we look at our passage, John, uh, specifically John 3, verse 30, he says, he must become greater, speaking of Jesus. I must become less. Now, this is part of a paradox of human nature versus God's sovereign plan that how can, how can I imagine myself becoming less. That doesn't seem natural. That doesn't seem what I should chase after. But John says he must become greater. I must become less. And really, this is the phrase of John's life. This describes the whole of John's life. And in the book of John, John the writer is John the apostle, John the disciple of Jesus. But when he speaks of John in the book of John, he's referencing John the Baptist. And so let's look a little bit about what scripture shows us about the life of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1, we're going to read some verses about what John's life was declared at his birth, starting in verse 11, and it will be on the screen. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Jacob saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a great joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So even at his birth, God is telling his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, that your son is going to be special, that he's going to be set apart, that he's going to be filled with the Spirit of God from birth, and that he is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. He is going to prepare the way for the Savior. His life will be in preparation for the people, in preparation of the Messiah to come. In John chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, we read, There came a man who was sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So he was sent by God to go ahead to prepare the way for Jesus, to prepare his coming. But what's very interesting, you may not know this, but Jesus and John were related. 
Jesus and John the Baptist were relatives. I think I'm going to say they were probably second cousins, maybe. The Bible tells us that when Mary found out that she was going to have Jesus and she went to go visit Elizabeth, the angel told her, even your, cousin, even your relative Elizabeth is in her sixth month of pregnancy. And they go and visit, and we see that John leaps in Elizabeth's womb, and she exclaims the glory that is going to be Jesus that is in uh, Mary's womb. And so what I realized, though, is that, so John, the Baptist, he's the older cousin. He's the older relative, about six months older, and his whole life is to prepare the way for Jesus. And I began to think about this paradox. You know, at least, at least once a year, they would go to Jerusalem, and they would see each other probably more through the year. And think about the pressure there He's preparing the way for Jesus, and, and, and Jesus is Jesus, but John is the older cousin. And it's so incredible how John serves Jesus, and he knows his whole life is preparing for his relative, his little bit younger relative cousin, Jesus. And I began to think about this, and I don't have a problem serving somebody that's younger than me. In fact, Pastor Steve is three years younger than me. But when it comes to generally with people, there's one point where I just kind of cringe, and that's when somebody younger than me calls me buddy. I just feel like this awkward teenager that they're trying to help along. Hey, buddy, yeah. You know, does, does anybody else relate? Like somebody younger than you calls you buddy, and you just, you, you, you cringe a little bit. I don't know what it is. And so here we have Jesus and John, and John knows his whole life is to be less so that Jesus can be more. His whole life is these three words, less is more. His whole life is described and known by the fact that I am always less so that Jesus can always be more and that I can tell people he's less and that Jesus is more. He even says, because he came onto the scene and it had been 400 years from the end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, the last prophet of God, the last mouthpiece voice of God, it had been 400 years since there had been anybody that God had used in that capacity. And then here comes John the Baptist on the scene and he's proclaiming, and so some of the religious leaders and some of the people of Israel were wondering and thinking, maybe, maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe John is the Messiah. And so they began to ask him that, and he right away said, no, I am not that person. He even said, he even said I come and baptize you with water, but there is one who you do not yet know, who's, who's the, the uh, excuse me, ugh, lost it there whose straps of his chacos I cannot even unclick, okay? He says, whose sandals I cannot even untie. He is so much greater than me that I, I don't even feel worthy to remove the sandal from his foot. That's the one that's coming. And although he had disciples and although he was baptizing dozens and probably hundreds of people, preparing them for Jesus, it was never about him. He always shot that down right away but pointed them to Jesus. Going deeper requires me to get out of the way. We've been talking the last couple of weeks, Pastor Steve has been bringing to us in Isaiah 54, this aspect of going deeper that we're going to take this year, and we want to go deeper with Jesus. But in order to do so, we've got to remove ourselves. We've got to get out of the way. We've got to remind ourselves that it's not our will, it's His will. That we really, truly can't make anything happen. Only He can make something happen. Less of me means more of Jesus, because what you serve, what you serve determines what you receive. 
As a matter of fact, who you serve determines what you receive. Are we serving ourselves or are we serving Jesus? And unfortunately, the reverse in our life is true that if it's more of me, there's going to be less of Jesus. It's a fact, church. If there's more of me in my life, the result is there's going to be less of Jesus in my life. There's less room for Jesus in my life. So what's our challenge today? What should we do with this? How, how do we have a less is more attitude? How do we realize that less of me means more of Jesus? I need more of Jesus, less of me. So I propose to you that we, we practice a couple of spiritual disciplines. One is practicing the spiritual discipline of self-denial. And don't misunderstand me here. I'm not talking about the false perception of reality, reality, but the true interpretation of humility. I'm not talking about the idea of self-denial that we just aren't being real about the situations in our life or we're not acknowledging what's really happening in our life. Not that kind of denial, but we're saying that I want to step out of the way. I want to move out of the way. I want to purge myself of me. I want to deny myself that I may have more of Jesus. In the, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says that whoever wants to come after me must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So the, this idea that we're denying the self in our life, we're denying ourselves. How do we do that? This is, the, this is a phrase that you can tell yourself each and every day. I'm going to starve the selfie. I'm going to starve the selfie in my life. We're in a culture where there's so much about me, 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 right? Most of social media in the last eight or ten years has always been this idea of I can take a picture of me or people of me. I, they, they produce selfie sticks so that we can make sure we get a, a good picture, not so much up close, but make sure everybody sees what I got going on. And in order to get rid of something, we need to remove what's feeding it. We need to remove what is helping it to grow? And so we need to starve the selfie in our life. We need to get rid of ourselves, the thing that's feeding me, that's building up me, my humanness, to allow Jesus to do that. So we need to get rid of more to get more. It goes back again to this paradox of our human nature. What? I got to get rid of more to get more. That doesn't make any sense. But that's God's way, not our way. We need to get rid of more, less of me means more of Jesus. John 3.30 in the New Living Translation reads this way, he must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. It's this idea that I continually am removing myself from the equation. I'm continually becoming less and less that he may become more and more. But what are some practical ways we can do this. How can we do this on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly level? What are some things that I can incorporate in my life to help me become less? There's some other spiritual disciplines we can do. How about Bible study? We know that this book is the living Word of God. It says it's alive and active. It's truth. It's not just any other book. And so when we're in the Word of God, when we're memorizing it, when we allow it to get deep roots into our heart and our mind, it begins to change us. And as we study God's word, we begin to see that it's about Jesus in my life and not about what I want to do. It's about what God wants me to do and how I walk through that as he's established and given me in, in word and written form to help walk through and the spirit of God in me. And so I can read the Bible and study his word. How about prayer? 
communicating with God, asking him to come before us. We're having a relationship with God and realizing that by communicating with him, we're allowing him to fill us more. What about fasting? We start the year off with a Daniel fast. What a tangible way to say, I'm going to set aside food, something I like, something I want, something that I need physically, I'm going to set a certain amount of that aside that I can focus on Jesus. What a way to tell the Lord, I want less of me and more of you by fasting. What about confession, coming before him and saying, Jesus, forgive me for I have sinned, I have disobeyed you, I've come against you. Get rid of that in my life, Jesus. Take that away from me, take that out, that it may not block what you want to do in my life, that it may not take up space for where you want to fill Jesus. Worship, coming to this place on a weekend service or at your, at your home, putting on praise and worship music and lifting up the name of Jesus and say, I worship you, I lift you up. God, I just want to have more of you. Fellowship with one another, gathering to help each other. The Bible says iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. How about some rest? I could tell you I need more adequate wet rest, and I know that if I do so, it's simply, I won't be cranky, I won't be as irritable, and I can more fully realize what God wants to do and stop worrying about me and stop having a woe is me attitude, but asking Jesus, what are you going to do through me? Celebrating what God has done in your life, acknowledging what he's doing. How about serving? Saying, God, I'm going to give up my time and my energy to come before you and give that to you. Less of me, more of you. Your generosity with your time and your finances and your abilities and your skills. Incredible worship that we had today to raise up the name of Jesus. The worship team giving up of their abilities to say, God, I want less of me and more of you. How about discipleship? Raising up somebody else to show them this attitude of less is more. And lastly, what about some role models in your life? Church, I can tell you I'm so thankful for my parents, godly parents who raised me and personified this phrase, less is more. I'm so thankful for my dad who nearly every single night, wherever I was coming from as a child, from school, from an activity, from church, as a teenager, from work, as as a, a college student from school, and I knew that my dad was going to be sitting on the floor back up to the couch reading his Bible, reading the Word of God, ending his day that way, and my mother, who would start the day and end the day in prayer. Those examples that I saw in my life who, as I was growing up, even through my teenage years, and I never turned my father away, who would come in to my brother's room and my room, and he would pray for us, and he would say, "Uh, thank you, Jesus. I thank you so much for Jared and Justin. I pray that you would watch over them, keep them safe from sickness, disease, danger, and harm. Help them to have a good night's sleep. Pour into their life, Jesus. Help them to live for you every day of their life. A prayer that I I pray over my kids at night. I'm so thankful for those examples of a lesser me attitude that my parents, without saying a thing, told me by their life, less of me means more of Jesus. What can I do to make that happen? I encourage you to do this. Filter your life through a less is more lens. So everything you do every day, acknowledge and say, is what I'm doing, is my activities, is my speech, is my work, is my actions, what, am I, what I am doing, is that a less is more attitude, less of me, more of Jesus. Here's what I don't want us to do, though. I don't want us walking away thinking that we're going to starve the sacred things in our life. What do I mean? 
What are some of those sacred things God's established in your life? Your marriage, your spouse, your children, your family, the way in which you support and provide for that spouse and that family that God has given you. Those things were not to starve, which means we have to have our right priorities in life. We can't say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry kids, I work 16 hours and I'm tired, but Pastor A told me I got to go read my Bible. Honey, I'm sorry, but we can't spend time together because I need to get up super early because Pastor A told me I got to pray, and so I got to go do that, so I'm not going to prepare our meals, our lunch for the day like I normally would because now I got to have my time with Jesus. It's amazing, like I said, to have that role model to be an example for your family, but we got to make sure we have priorities, that we're not, we're not starving the sacred things God put in our life, that we're being a good example, but that we've got priorities in line, but we're realizing that maybe I need to make some changes. Maybe there's some things in my life that need to be less so that he can be more. Less of me means more of Jesus. It's an attitude of he over me. Paul says in Philippians, he puts it this way. In chapter 3, we're going to start in the second half of verse 4. It says, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, I'm faultless. So what he's saying is, if I want to put confidence in myself, if we're going to compare life to life, if we're going to compare accomplishment to accomplishment, if we're going to compare the ways that I may have been able to build myself up in myself, he's saying I can talk more about that. I can talk all day long about my accomplishments, about more of me. But he goes on to say in verse 7, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. He says, I can talk, I can boast about my religi religiosity. I can talk about the things that I've done that might have profited me. But he goes on to say, all that is lost because all that means nothing if I cannot gain Christ. I only want in my life what is going to build up Christ in my life that I may gain him. Amen. Less of me means more of Jesus. What you fill up on determines your fullness. What you fill up on determines your fullness. So we're going to circle back to some food. I love Chinese food. It is my, f yes, we can amen, clap, Chinese, yeah. I love Chinese food. It's wonderful. Uh, so I'm still trying to find the best place in town. I've hit up like six or eight of them. I still, I still have not found that one spot that I'm like, mm, this is my spot. I kind of got ruined because about 18 years of my life growing up, we went to the same Chinese spot, and it was incredible. And so I don't know if I just acquired only a taste for the Golden Panda Chinese food or what it was, but I went 18 years. I ended up working there for a while. Monday nights, I waited. And then actually, right, uh, currently, I do a little side hustle. I teach Chinese kids English online. They're in China. So Chinese has always been part of my life. It's trying to stay connected. So I love Chinese food. And I don't know, I hope that you can agree with me, but... Chinese food is heavier than all other foods. Hands down, it's just heavier. 
there's something to be said when I carry in a five-pound bag of Chinese food. I feel like it's going to do something more for me that I should be able to live off of it for at least a week because it's so heavy that once it's in me, it's going to stay there. But have you ever experienced the times where you have Chinese food and you eat a lot? And again, I, when it comes to food, less is more is not something that I say. And so I'm, I eat a lot of Chinese food and you feel full. And then they bring out some more egg rolls or crab rangoons. And you're like, yeah, I could go for some more of that. Sometimes that it just, the Chinese, although it's so heavy inside, but quickly we want some more and we feel like that didn't fill me as much. What you fill up on determines your fullness. I want to do, I want to illustrate this for us this morning. So you can see I've got two empty containers, clear empty containers I feel like I'm about to do some sort of illusion, but I'm not. It's, not. it's not that cool. These empty containers simply represent our life without Jesus. Before Jesus, before we accept Jesus into our life, we are simply empty. Regardless of what we think, the word of God says that without him, we are dead. Without him, we are empty. Without him, we have no hope. Without Jesus, our lives are empty. But what happens is as soon as we pray that prayer, as soon as we say, Jesus, come into my life, as soon as we say, God, I acknowledge who you are, I believe in you, I have faith in you, that God raised you from the dead, that you have given me life. As soon as we pray that, Jesus begins to fill us. Immediately, we begin to get full. We are filled with Jesus. We have him in us. He says that the Spirit of God now dwells within us when he fills us after we accept Jesus into our life. Incredible, right? Once empty, and in a moment, in an instant, in a matter of a snapping of a finger, Jesus fills us. He fills our life. But see, what happens is, consciously or unconsciously, Quickly or over time, our life begins to fill up, but it's not what Jesus wants to fill us up on. It's not him that's filling us. And so these rocks, they represent the things in our life that fill us, but it's not Jesus. Now, it could be sinful, it could be disobedience, it could be against Jesus, but it also might not be. Life happens, and so it might just be life, or it, it even can be things that we think are Jesus, or we think we're doing on behalf of Jesus, but it's, it's not really him. And so what happens is we begin to fill our lives. It might be conscious or unconscious. It might be gradual. It might be quickly after we receive Jesus, but we begin filling our lives, and church, it can even be coming here. It can even be serving. We can, we can play the role. We can play church. We can check it off of our list. It can just become habit. It can just become ritual, coming to church or even serving. Or it can turn from what God was doing in your life to what am I doing? Oh man, I can post on social, social content, social media this week, and then I served in three places over the course of two days, a total of 4.5 hours. My armpits were sweating. Look at this picture. Like, 
That's what we can do. And so we begin to fill our lives. And what happens is, as we're filling our lives, we have this sense of fullness. And as you can see, illustrated by the rocks, the reason why we sense that fullness is because what do these rocks do with the water? I hope you can see that it begins to displace the water. It begins to rise, right? The water begins to fill up, and we're feeling good. We're feeling like, man, I'm getting, whoa, I'm getting water everywhere. Man, I'm getting full of Jesus. This is incredible. Look at this. I'm full. Wow, that didn't happen yesterday. I'm not going to put this one in. I'm so full. I'm overflowing. Man, my life is filled. Oh, Jesus is just filling me up. I'm just filled. And there are times in there where Jesus is still filling you. Yes, he is. But we're filling it with other things. We're filling it with activities. We're filling it with extracurriculars. We're filling it with a different job or more hours. We're filling it with putting my kids into so much things. We're filling it maybe with, with sin, maybe with disobedience, maybe with something else that we know is not Jesus, but we have not removed it from our life. But Jesus wants to continue to fill. Jesus wants your life to be full, but he wants it to be full with him. Don't tell Pastor Steve I got water everywhere, okay? He wants to continue to fill us and fill us and fill us. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less because what's true is that he keeps filling us. He says, I want to give you your daily bread and teaching the people of Israel how to pray. He said, I want you to ask for your daily bread. You need me every day. You need me every moment. He wants to continue to fill us and fill us and fill us. But of him, not of me. You see, fullness is not found in the depth of our effort. It's not found in the depth of our effort, but it's found in the room that you leave for God. It's the room that you leave for Jesus. It can't be found in this depth of what I fill it with only when Jesus fills it. Here's the truth. True fullness is only acquired when Jesus fills. True fullness is only acquired when Jesus fills because here's our life filled with everything else in our life. And so what do we need to do? We need to begin to remove the things. Less of me. Less of me. Less is more, Jesus. Less is more in my life. Less of me is more of you. Less of me is more of you. And the, and the goal is that we begin to remove those things in our life, sinful or not that are taking up space that Jesus wants to fill. He wants to fill. Make room for him. And we might as well baptize. I'm soaked already. But you might be wondering today, what, what about me? Okay, I hear what you're saying, Pastor A, but what about me? What about my life? This is MWC, I thought it was a Maranatha Worship Center, not the Monk Worship Center. That I'm not, what am I supposed to just sit here and just look up and down or just stare up at the heaven and say the name of Jesus and never do anything? Is this life about nothing? Does God not want to bring anything into my life? Does he not want me to do anything? Does he not want me to experience joy or happiness? Catch what John chapter one, verse 16 says. From the fullness of his grace, 
We all have received one blessing after another. You see, when Jesus fills us, we continue to receive blessing. When Jesus fills us, he wants to bless us over and over and over. See, it's not about this life where I don't move and don't do anything and I hold my breath and I look up to the sky and that's my life, but it's that he's continually filling us, that he does want you to enjoy life, but to truly, fully enjoy life, we gotta be filled with him, not with us. We have to let him fill us, not ourselves. Only in that do we truly experience the life that God has for us, the life that he wants us to lead. And the message translation of John 3, verse 30, it reads, that's why my cup is running over. That's why my bucket is running over. That's why my life is running over. This is the assigned moment for me, sorry, for him to move into the center while I slip off to the sidelines. This is your moment, this is our moment, church, to do that. So what I want us to do is I want us to respond. Less of me means more of Jesus. What's that gonna look like in your life? What are the rocks that you can take out of your life to make room for Jesus to fill? What are the ways in which we may have consciously or unconsciously filled our lives and we think our life is full, we think life is good, we think this is great, but Jesus wants more. You think life is good now, imagine how life how good life will be once we remove some things. And I can tell you, as he becomes greater and greater, we become less and less. It's got to be every day. I know without, without a shadow of a doubt, I can tell you as a pastor on staff here that probably by tomorrow, I will have let a small pebble drop into my life. Something will happen because life rushes in and things happen. So we continue saying, nope, I'm going to take that out. Nope, I'm going to take that out. That's why we gotta think about it, less of me. Less is more, less is more, starve the selfie. Less of me means more Jesus, it's gotta be my attitude every day throughout the day. Nope, devil, I'm not gonna let you try to drop that rock in there. <laughs> I'm not gonna let that happen because I want the fullness that Jesus wants for my life. So church, can we respond? Would you stand with me today? I don't wanna let this opportunity go by as I personally often do when I speak to make sure that somebody is not here who says, wow, I just realized that I'm an empty bucket, that I'm an empty bin, that my life does not have Jesus in it. All I've got are rocks. There's nothing flowing. There's, there's no flowing of the Holy Spirit in my life. Jesus has not saved me. I'm just, I'm just a bucket of rocks, a bin of rocks. But I need the fullness that only Jesus can bring. So in reverence and honor, can we just close our eyes and give a moment that if there is somebody here today who says, I need to ask Jesus into my life. I need to ask Jesus to come into my life because I'm just a bunch of rocks and I want the flowing, moving, Holy Spirit-filled life that only Jesus can bring just by an outward expression of what's happening inside your heart to just quickly lift up your hand and say, I wanna ask Jesus into my life. Is there anybody here that says, I wanna ask Jesus into my life? Amazing, we're gonna, pray a simple prayer, and I'm just going to ask church as an acknowledgement to honor them and a reminder of what God has done for you when Jesus saved you. Church, together, can we just pray this prayer? And those of you that raised your hand, pray this prayer in sincerity. You're confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So let's pray this together, church. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. 
And I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Today, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I believe you died so that I can be forgiven and rose again to give me life. This is my new beginning. I am a child of God. I am a new creation. Amen. Can we just clap and honor those that asked Jesus into their life? You made the best decision that you could ever possibly make in your life. If you did pray a prayer of salvation, I would ask at the conclusion of our service, if you would just come and share that with us in the fireside room, express what Jesus has done, and we can talk with you. So at the, now, what I want us to do is respond. We have four minutes left, at least, that you can get alone with God, even though you're next to people, forget who's by you. Between you and the Lord, take a few minutes. We're going to enter into some worship. Say, Jesus, show me. What do I need to take out of my life? Where do I need to be less? Where do I need to step aside so you can come in? What do I need to remove, Jesus, that you desire to fill? Where is the space that I can take away less of me to put more of you, Jesus? Will you take this moment seriously before we leave? Respond and allow the living hope Jesus to speak to you in this moment. And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.